Well, we're starting a brand new mini-series today. We're going to be talking about this today and also next week. And the series is called Make It Count. Make It Count. In 1988, I was a wee little boy. I was about nine years old. And uh, my eyes were glued to the TV for... It was the first time I'd really experienced an Olympic Games. And the Olympic Games in 1988 was held in Seoul, South Korea. Um, And I remember for two weeks, I was just glued to the TV... uh, because of all that was going on at the Olympic Games. And I remember one night, or one morning it was, because for us all, uh, their evening was our morning. And I remember one morning getting up and watching the 100 meters final. And uh, we were all excited in the UK because there was a young English hopeful called Linford Christie who actually may win a medal. And if you know anything about British sprinting, we don't win very very many medals at all. So we were all excited. and so uh, as it came to the time for the event, uh, they came into the stadium, uh, they took their tracksuits off, and, and they got in their starters blocks, and there was uh, three men of interest there. There was Linford Christie, who was the British guy. There was a guy called Carl Lewis, who many of you may know. He was an American. He won many uh, medals and many gold medals in 100 meters, 200 meters, and long jump. And then there was a Canadian guy called Ben Johnson. And you saw them as they got into their starters blocks. They, they just looked like this focused look on their face. Um, and the starter said, on your marks. And they, 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 they get up and then the gun went. And it was like this epic 100-meter final that uh, I, I remembered all these years. And uh, as it finished, uh, Linford Christie, the British guy, he won the bronze medal. And we're all cheering over a bronze medal. Uh, like Americans, like a bronze medal is like failure to you guys. But for us, it was victory. And then uh, Carl Lewis, the American, he came in second. And then the victor was this guy called Ben Johnson. And you could just see as he was running, he was like this big muscular guy. He had this huge big gold chain. I don't know why people sprint with a big gold chain, but he did. And he just had this look on his face, this different look to everybody else. And you knew he was going to win. So he won the gold medal. He was the 100 meter champ. And then about two days later, it came out that he had uh, tested positive for a drug test. And so he had his gold medal stripped away from him, and it was awarded to Carl Lewis, the American. And in Britain, we even cheered even more because now our bronze medal was a silver medal. And it's like, whoa, a silver medal. But, uh, but he went down as the guy who won the 100, but it was stripped away from him. And all the talk at the time was Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis. And that's what everybody was talking about at the time. At the same Olympic Games, there was actually two British hopefuls uh, in long distance running. Well, in the 1500 meters, uh, one was the, his name was Sebastian Coe and the other, his name was Steve Cram. And these were the, our two gold medal hopefuls. We actually may win a gold medal, the UK in athletics. And I, I remember getting up early in the morning to watch their final along with the rest of the UK and it was another epic final and I think at the end Sebastian Coe won the gold and Steve Cram may have won the bronze medal but that was all the talk when I was nine years old it was of Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis and Sebastian Coe and Steve Cram and most of you probably have no idea who these people are Uh, you may have not even been born when they were racing but that was the talk of the time now two weeks ago the World Athletic Championships in Beijing, China took place. Uh, 
And there was a guy uh, that you may or may have not have heard of. His name is Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt at that, at that World Championships, he won his 20th gold medal in sprinting. So 100 meters, 200 meters, and uh, 4 by 100 meter relay. 20th gold medal. I mean, this guy is going to go down in history as the greatest sprinter of all time. And when he was winning his 100 meters and 200 meters, you know what? Nobody was talking about Ben Johnson and nobody was talking about Carl Lewis. All they were talking about was Usain Bolt, this guy who people were thinking was on the downtrend. His career was winding to an end, suddenly came back with gusto and he won again. At the same uh, World Championship, there was another guy called Mo Farah. And Mo, he uh, competes in the 5,000 meters and 10,000 meters. I get tired even saying 10,000 meters, let alone trying to run 10,000 meters. But this guy, he won the gold medal at the World Championships in both the 5,000 and 10,000. And what made this so special was... Three years ago, in 2012, at the Olympics in London, he won the 5,000 meters and the 10,000 meters. And then four years ago, at the last World Championship, this guy, Mo, he won the 5,000 meters and the 10,000 meters. He is the only person in history who has ever won those two events three times in a row. And this is all everybody's talking about. Usain Bolt and this guy called Mo Farah. That is all they're talking about. You know why? Because these two men are in the limelight. See, when Mo was winning his long distance events, nobody was talking about Sebastian Coe or Steve Cram or any of the other runners that have gone before. They are in the limelight. And that is all everybody is taking, uh, taking notice of. These two guys are actually at this present moment, they are writing history. They are changing the history books. So in the future, people will know exactly what they did. However, in the future, they will just be remembered as names of people who achieve things. There will be a new generation that will come up and take the limelight from them. But these two guys at the moment, they are at present making their life count. And one day in the future, people will remember them for exactly what they did. And did you know in your life right now, you are in the limelight you may think that you're unimportant. You may think that nobody knows your name. You may think that nobody else is looking out at you and watching you, but that is actually not correct because right now you are living in this moment in history, in this generation, in this time, and you are in the limelight. And in this limelight, are you going to make your, count, your life count or not? It is your time right now to write the history books. What our kids and our kids' kids will say about us is being written right now. I don't know about you, but I want our kids and our kids' kids to remember us as a generation, as people who did wonderful things, who did great things. So what will history say about you right now? When people remember back on your life, what will they say about you? In the Bible, there's a book in the Bible, uh, and in, in this book, there's a chapter, and the chapter is called the chapter of the heroes of faith. 
They are the champions of their generation. They are the ones who made their life count. And in this chapter, the, uh, the, the Bible lists their names and it lists just the specific things that they did. The, the history books have their names inked in them. And these people in this list, in this chapter, they are not the best. They were not the best around. They were not the most perfect, but they did make their life count. And the Bible tells us that this list of men and women are examples to us as average people who can live a life of faith. These are people who lived the life of faith. And then the Bible says they had a good reputation and history has remembered them. See, these people, they weren't the ones who built the modern cities of this world. They weren't the greatest athletes of their day. They weren't the greatest inventors or the philosophers of years gone by. They weren't the great warriors or people who invaded the world, invaded other countries. They weren't the inspiring politicians, if there is such a thing. They were average men and women who showed us the way. This chapter is found in a book in the Bible called Hebrews. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's towards the end of the New Testament. And if you ever have a chance, read Hebrews chapter 11. It's inspiring to see these people who have gone before us and lived the life of faith. However, as Hebrews 11 comes to a close, God tells us this through through the Bible. It says that these people, even though they were people of faith, they did great things in their generation. They were champions of their generation. Even though they had a good reputation, the Bible tells us that these heroes did not attain perfection. It says, but in fact, they were waiting for something which was to come. But now in our generation... We have the ability to attain what they could not attain. And we have seen what they were waiting for. And that is the Messiah. And that is Jesus Christ. And even though they were waiting for something, we already have it. And so the Bible is telling us that we can actually do more than these people of faith. These heroes that the Bible says, the Bible says that we can do more because we now have faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to pick up. This little chapter here, uh, uh, at the end of chapter 11, it goes right into chapter 12, and that's exactly where we're going to pick it up. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. So what it said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So chapter 12 here starts in a really peculiar way. The writer uses this phrase. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, kind of strange. It's like terminology that we don't really use in our culture. Now, the word witnesses here, it's not meaning a courtroom full of witnesses. And it's not meaning Jehovah's Witnesses either. So you're good there. But this is what it means. The word witness meant in the Bible times or in the times that Hebrews was written, it refers to a crowd of people who 
watching an athletic event. It refers to spectators in the crowd. And back in the time when Hebrews was written, there was lots of different athletic events that went on. There was uh, just different sports and, uh, and stuff that went on. And people would gather and watch the athletes and they would be called the crowd of witnesses. And so the Bible here shows us who are these witnesses. Well, if you read chapter 11, then you go into verse 12, you get an idea of who these witnesses are. And, 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 and I'm still ha- trying to work this out theologically myself, but basically Hebrews is referring all those people in the past, all those heroes of faith, those ones who made their life count, they are now looking on us, seeing if we're going to make our life count. They're looking at us in our life and seeing if we are going to run the race that they ran as well. If we're going to run it as well as they did. It's these people of the past, these heroes of the past, and now watching the current generation of athletes. And I got news to you this morning. Who are those athletes? They're you. Some of you, you've never been called an athlete in your whole life. But today, I'm calling you an athlete. You are an athlete. And there is a huge crowd of witnesses watching your life and watching this generation. For our time is now. We are in the limelight. It's like we are in the Colosseum and our race, our event is about to begin. And everybody's watching us to see if we are going to make it count or not. So if our time is now then there's some things that we need to do to make sure that we run this race well. See, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those also-rans. You know, like, nobody else remembers who came 10th in that 100 meters in 1988. I I mean, unless you're a great statistician, like, nobody remembers. They were the also-rans. I don't want to be an also one. I don't want the, the, the generations to go by and, and to say, hey, remember that guy who had like weird spiky hair and like had a weird accent? You know, that guy, what did he even do with his life? I don't want to be that person. I want to be a person who wants to make my life count. And I believe you're the same as well. You don't want to be an also-ran, a forgotten person. You want someone to be someone who will make your life count. And here Hebrews gives us some ways that we can run this race in the way to make our lives count. So the first thing that Hebrews tells us is this. Strip off the weight. Strip off the weight. We're not talking about going to Weight Watchers or anything like this here now. But strip off the weight. This is what it says. It says... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, I love the Olympics because I watch things that I would never normally watch. Like, I watch swimming at the Olympics, but if swimming was just on TV and it wasn't the Olympics, I wouldn't watch it. Like, when the Winter Olympics come on, I watch curling. Who watches curling? But yet, because it's the Winter Olympics, it's like skiing. I hate skiing. Ice skating. But yet, I watch it. Because of the Olympics, and it's the same with the swimmers. So this is what I always see with the swimmers. Their event happens, and they walk in a line into the pool arena. arena. And they've got these big headphones on, because like all athletes now wear big headphones for some reason. They've got big headphones on, they've got a backpack, and they've got, they've got a tracksuit on. And they walk in, and they come, and they sit behind uh, where they're going to like dive into the pool. And they look into the pool, and they're, and they're trying to focus on what's going to happen. 
Then before the race begins, this is what happens. They take off their big headphones. They put their bag down. They take their tracksuit off. And what is underneath is a swimsuit. I'm so glad now that, they, that the guys have these like proper swimsuits. Because back in 88, all they had was Speedos. And seeing a guy in Speedos is not fun at all. But they have these swimsuits. And what the swimsuits are designed for, they're designed so when they get into the water, that nothing restricts them. I call it aer- like aerodynamic this morning. Someone corrected me. It's like, Alex, they're in the water. It's not aerodynamic. It's hydrodynamic. I never said I was smart, you know. So, so they're swimming, so they are hydrodynamic, right? So nothing is pulling them back. But could you imagine if that swimmer decided to say, hey, I'm just going to jump in with my backpack and my tracksuit on. Are they going to win that race? No, because the water is going to fill the tracksuit. It's going to weigh the bag down and they're going to be weighed down and they're not going to be able to swim at the potential that they were able to swim at because something is weighing them down. And the author of Hebrews here tells us, it says that we need to strip off those things that are weighing us down so that we can run the race of this life, run the race of faith in the best possible way that we can. I feel in my life, and I'm sure the same in, in many of you as well, I feel that at times that our faith, in our faith, we are people who need to run a marathon, but yet the worries of this life are leaving us dressed more like we are going to build a snowman. You know, like we're trying to run a marathon, but we got like a big snowsuit on. And, and so you get so far, but in the end it just weighs you down. And so I ask you today, what worries and situations in your life right now are weighing you down? What is stopping you running to your potential? What is trying to drag you back in your life right now? And so for, so for, for many of us, it's just worries of this life, worries about our kids, worries about our marriage, worries about our finances, worries about our career, uh, and this, this worry and that worry. But you know what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7? Peter tells us this. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Did you know that God cares for you? And because God cares for you, he understands that the worries of this life just drag you down. They're holding you back. And so God said, strip them off, take them off, and just give them to me. And I'll take care of it for you. See, if there is a God who cares, which I believe there is a God who cares, then he wants to do what only he can do. And that's help take the weights off your life. You know, I find in our culture specifically, there's so much stress. Like our generation, we're so stressed out all the time. You know, I look back on my father's generation, my grandfather's generation, and yeah, they were stressed, but they seemed to handle it way better than what we did. I don't know what it is, but I feel like everybody is stressed, and you just have to look at the statistics to see how many people are stressed in this life, and the anxieties of this world, and the worries of this life are so heavy, and they are so real. And you know, when you're stressed out, others can see it. And others can feel it as well. 
See, stress will cause your mind to be all over the place. It will cause your head to not be in the game. And did you know that when stress comes in your life, certain things happen to you? Certain things firstly happen to your body. People who have stress experience headaches and muscle tension and pains in their body. They they experience chest pain and fatigue. Uh, There's lower libido. There's sleep problems and digestive problems. That's just what happens to your body when you're stressed. Then there's stre- the, what happens to your mind when stress comes. And th- there's anxiety and restlessness. And there's a lack of motivation and irritability. Or some people get angry. Others are sad. Others are depressed. All because of stress. But it doesn't just affect your body or your mind. It also affects your behavior towards others. Uh, or your behavior with yourself. Some people overeat. Others undereat. Some people uh, get addicted to things and uh, to, to substances and have substance abuse. Others, there is social withdrawal where before they were in a community and they were around people and friends. But when they get stressed, they withdraw into themselves. Others, they have behavioral outbursts all because of stress. And if this is happening in your life right now, if you're stressed, can you become all that God has designed for you to become. You can't. If an athlete has stress, he can't run or she can't run to the ability that, that all the potential that they have. And if there's stress in your life right now, you cannot become all that God has intended for you to become. And so this is what I love about the Bible because Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Jesus says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest, Jesus says. So if there's stuff that's weighing you down in this life, Jesus says, come unto me, give it to me, and I'll give you rest. Then God said in Psalm 55, verse 22, says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip or fall. You know what God is saying? He's saying, if you are feeling weary, if you are feeling weighed down, if something is heavy and weighing you down, God says, come to me, give it to me. See, when you focus more on Jesus than you focus on your circumstances, you draw close to God. And you know what God does? He comes and he takes that weight And he lifts it. So that weight is no longer on your shoulders. It's in his hands instead. You know what happens when you draw close to God? uh, Instead of focusing on just your circumstances, focusing on God, you find that when you're running this race of life, this faith journey, that you will come to hurdles and you will be able to jump over the hurdles instead of just clattering into the hurdles. And I feel so often some of us, we're so weighed down with the burdens of this life that we're running and something comes, a hurdle comes in our way and it's like we just crash face first into it instead of being able to just jump over it. And so God says, give your burdens to me, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. He says, strip off the weight. The second thing that he tells us here in Hebrews is to strip off the sin. Strip off the sin. This is what he says. He said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. If you take an athlete, what they put in their body 
will result in what comes out. If they put junk in their body, their performance will be junk. If they try to take shortcuts in the long run, it will come back to hurt them. If they try to pursue short-term pleasure, it will end in long-term pain. See, what athletes realize is that what goes in directly affects what goes out. And sin does the same in our lives as well. It does the same in our race of faith. For what you allow in your life has a habit of hitting you exactly at those important moments. So if you neglect your marriage, it will hit you when someone flirts with you, who's not your spouse. If you have a habit of gossiping, eventually it will hit you when you need to trust of somebody else and they realize you've been talking about them. If you have a habit of telling a few little white lies, it has a habit of coming back and biting you exactly at the moment when you didn't need it to come and bite you. You see, sin eventually will wear you down so that you become a shadow of who you were meant to be. See what Hebrews says here, it says, it says, so let us strip off every weight that drags us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Another translation for this is the sin that so easily clings to us. How many of you have ever worn a shirt that has static in it, right? It's the worst thing in the world. Like all day you're just like pulling it away. It's, it's horrible. How many of you have ever like been outside and like that one mosquito just keeps getting you, hitting you, hitting you, you got like nice juicy skin, keeps biting you. That is what Hebrews is saying here is like sin, sin so easily clings to us. And so he says, let's strip it off, strip it off. You know, in Greek mythology, there's a story of a guy called Achilles. Achilles was the son of Peleus and his mother was Thetis. His mother Thetis was born, uh, when he was born, wanted him to become immortal. So there was a certain river that, he was, uh, that uh, made you immortal. So she took uh, Achilles to the river. She held him by the heel and she dipped him in the river. It's like good parenting, right? She dipped him in the river. When he came out, his body was immortal, except the piece that she held because she did not put the heel in the water. Achilles then was an immortal man with a vulnerable spot. He became this great warrior. And following the Trojan Greek War, Achilles killed a hero called Hector. And then Hector's brother called Paris tracked Achilles down. He saw him running. He pulled an arrow, like a bow and arrow. He, he shot the arrow. It went right into Achilles' heel, the only vulnerable part of his life. And you know what happened to Achilles? He died. He died. I ask you today, what's your Achilles' heel? What is the part in your life that if an arrow was shot into right now, it would destroy your life. It would bring your life down. What is the sin that's going on maybe in your life right now? Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's gossip or lies. For some, it's envy or jealousy. Others, maybe it's some immorality that's going on. For, for, for some of you, it may be just selfish ambition that's going on in your life. What is your Achilles heel? James chapter 
4 verses 7 to 10 tells us this. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of of joy. And then he finishes with this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. This is what James is saying. He said, is there stuff going on in your life? Humble yourself before God, draw close to God, and God will draw close onto you. And for some of us, there is sin in our lives. We're human beings, we're all sinners, but that sin will trip you up. And so for some of us, we have to admit that we are sinners. We have to admit that there is sin in our lives. For some of you, you have to admit that the things that are going on in your life is actually sin. Instead of sugarcoating it and saying, you know, it's just a weakness, just a phase I'm going through. We need to admit it's sin. For, for some of us, we have to, uh, to come to the place and realize we have an Achilles heel. And then others, we need to confess before God because we know confession is good for the soul. You see why we keep that sin within us. It starts to eat away, it clings at us, and it drags us down. See, humble yourself before God. Draw near to God. For the closer you get to God, the more those things that cling will start to strip off. One of the small groups that we have here at at the church is a men's group that we have. They hold it on Thursday evenings, and next week you'll be able to sign up for it if you want. Men only, no women. And... uh, one of the things that they did last semester that I just really, I really like that they, they did this was there's a group of guys and they were very confidential and they all shared basically what their Achilles heel was. They shared just with each other just to keep each other accountable. Then they paired off and uh, you were responsible to keeping someone else accountable and someone else was responsible for keeping you accountable. And what they did is they basically got together each week and say, hey, how are you dealing with that area? Is that area an issue for you this week or, or not? And they kept each other accountable because they realized that when you come together in community and confess some of these things and admit them that you can help uh, try to avoid those things in your life, they also realize that when you draw close to God, God helps you with those things that are going on in your life. Strip off the sin. See, our time is now. We are in our prime. Some of you, you may not feel like your prime. 15 years ago, you think was your prime. But we are in our prime. And what you do today matters and it affects the outcome of what will happen tomorrow. What you do today has a direct effect of what those kids who are over there in the house will grow up and see. See, not one athlete wants to be known as the person who never fulfilled their potential. And you just have to look at so many athletes who never fulfilled their potential. The name Ben Johnson has gone down in history as the guy who cheated. What will this great crowd of witnesses, this stadium full of spectators, say that they saw when they saw you run the race of faith? Will you live to your potential? Or will you let the worries 
and the sins of this life drag you down. I want to close with this story. On July 1st, 2012, I sat in a car with my father driving to the church that he pastored. It was my home church. I hadn't been back there for seven years. I was excited to go back to see some old friends. And it was a sad day, but it was also a happy day for my dad had spent 45 years uh, in pastoral ministry, what we call pastoral ministry as a pastor. And that was the day he was going to retire. And as we sat there, I, I was just talking to him about church and just about being a pastor and just trying to pick his brains and, you know, just get some wisdom after all these years. See, my dad had, for 45 years, had faithfully given his life to the service of Jesus Christ. As we were going to church, my wife Raquel got a text message from a friend of ours in Springfield, Missouri. The text message basically read like this. Our former pastor of the church that we were at before, a good friend of ours, was stepping down that Sunday for he had had what you call a moral failure. He had had an affair with a woman who wasn't his wife. The thing about this story, what was so sad was, was this church was an amazing church. The first Sunday that they opened, they had like 800 people. I mean, it was like ridiculous. They'd grown to like almost 5,000 people, multiple campuses. They'd done great things. Uh, the, the, the pastor had got a name for himself. He was being invited to speak. He even had a book out. He was making his name, making his way up the, the, the church ladder, if there is such a thing. My dad had never had a book. My dad, he'd been invited to speak places, but he never had a church of 5,000. My dad didn't have the name recognition of this guy. But what I discovered in that moment is it's not how you start, it's all how you finish. So you can run as fast as you can for a couple of years, but this the life of faith is a marathon and you're just going to burn yourself out. And this pastor friend of ours who had had this affair, the sad thing is that was in 2012 and 2015. He's still not back in church, lives in Texas, works for Amazon. And the guy has so much potential. But because of an Achilles heel that he never stripped off, he's now in a place that have hurt so many people. So many people were hurt. Through that incident, he lost friends, he lost family, he, he lost his job, he lost the church. So sad. And I looked at my dad and I realized, Dad, you may go down in history as one of those guys who people can't recognize your name. But heaven will look down and see you as a hero of faith because for 45 years you were faithful to God. And I don't know about you. I want my life to be like that. I want to know when I get to heaven that this crowd of witnesses see Alex Pendock walking in and they give a round of applause. You finished the race. And in your life right now, some of you, you're on, on the verge of falling right out because of the weight of this life, the worries and anxieties of this life or sin that's going in your life and it's trying to destroy you. And today is a day that we do what Hebrew says. Let's strip it off. Give our cares and our anxieties to God. For he cares for us. 
draw close to God and God will draw close to us. Humble ourselves before the hand of the almighty God and watch what God will do. Let's bow our heads in prayer.